Hello, thank you for joining me for the Bible study today. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we started the book of James on Wednesday evenings, and so I want to go back and give a quick overview of what we've covered so far. And uh, James is a uh, great book to look at. Of course, it is a letter. Uh, with it being a letter, I recommend you taking the time uh, to sit down and read the whole book in one sitting. Uh, you know, when we receive a letter, an email, or some sort of correspondence from someone like that, we usually don't read a little snippet and then uh, put it down, then go back and read another snippet. We read the whole thing, and so it's good to take, uh, especially these letters that are in the New Testament, and take the time to sit down and read them in their entirety um, as you're studying it so that you can get the context of it, and then you can go back and break it down. And, of course, that's what we'll do over the next few weeks is break down the book of James in little segments, but of course I want to uh, encourage you to sit down at some point in time uh, over the next few weeks and just read through the book of James. It's not very long. It won't take you very long to look at it. So as we are looking at James, we are going to uh, look at the first uh, 12 verses today. I'll kind of give an overview of the first eight and then we'll do a little more in-depth study of verses 9 through 12. That's what we'll look at tonight uh, during Bible study at 6.30. Of course, if you're ever able to join us on Wednesday night uh, live here at First Baptist Church of Gautier, I encourage you to be there at 6.30. Of course, I know some of you are volunteering with the children and the youth as well as uh, having choir practice, and I'm thankful for your service to our Lord and uh, hope that... Uh, you are getting something out of the podcast as well as, of course, I know you're getting something out of being of service to our Lord. So uh, be in prayer for us as we're in Bible study at 630, and we will be in prayer for you as you are either uh, serving the children, students, or uh, preparing for leading us in worship on Sunday morning. So let's go ahead and get started, and let me read the first um, 12 verses of James chapter 1 for us. So uh, James chapter 1 says, James, a servant of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises, and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass, its flower falls off, and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to look in your word, to study it together. Uh, And Father, I pray for each one of the listeners that you will bless them, that you will encourage them as we look at God's word together today, and that you would be glorified in and through your church here at First Baptist Church of Goche. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we are going into uh, our uh, passage today, I want to start out by giving some introductory comments on the book of James. Now, James, who wrote this book, was the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus, of course, we know, was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Joseph and Mary had children after Jesus was born. Now, the Scripture makes it very clear that uh, Joseph did not know Mary intimately until after Jesus had been born. But, of course, after the time had passed, uh, them being a married couple, they began having children uh, in addition to Jesus. Now, uh, James was the next son that Mary had. Uh, We get this from Mark 6, verse 3. Mark chapter 6, verse 3 says, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Now, uh, as we think about Mark 6, verse 3, we can understand that James was the next son after Jesus because he was listed first in this list. That's how they would have listed the, uh, the, the number of children or the children that they had. And then, of course, they included the sisters after listing the sons. Now, of course, in today's age, we would list all the children in sequence from oldest to youngest. And so if I was talking about my children, it would be Kaylin, Lamar, Sarah, and Alia. Uh, of course, if we were back in Bible times, it would be, isn't this Lamar and his sisters? And so that's uh, kind of the way it would have gone there. And so um, by that reading and understanding Mark 6, verse 3, we can understand that James was the next in line of Mary's children following Jesus. Now, the book of James was the earliest book written in the New Testament. We don't know when James began to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but we do know that he was with the disciples in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit, and we find that in Acts 1.14. It says, They all were continually united in prayer along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And so the brothers of Jesus were there in the upper room in Acts 1.14. We also know that Jesus appeared to James following the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says in verse 3, and this is the Apostle Paul talking here, he says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. So in the book of Acts, we see James as one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. And then James was uh, spoken of here in uh, 1 Corinthians. But we also see uh, that as we understand uh, 
the book of James, we see it as written in particular to Jewish converts, but of course it's applicable to us today as well. So there in the first four verses, James speaks of enduring trials well. And as uh, as we look at that passage, first of all, we see that James identified him as a servant or a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I find this interesting, and I, I take uh, encouragement from it, that a man who grew up with Jesus, more than likely thinking about those times, uh, James was probably no more than two years younger than Jesus. Uh, and so um, maybe at max four years younger than Jesus, but very close age that they would have played together, that they grew up together, that James would have known Jesus uh, on a intimate level, uh, unlike even the disciples. You see, if you remember, the disciples spent three years with Jesus at the most, three and a half, but James spent probably a couple of decades in the same household as Jesus. And here we uh, see James, someone who could have taken that title brother. Uh, he was taking the title of slave. And he, was, uh, he, he had come to the point of faith. Even the brother of Jesus had to come to the point of faith in Jesus as the Messiah. He had to believe in Jesus for salvation. And Mary, she didn't get a pass either, being the mother of Jesus. She had to believe that Jesus was the Messiah to be saved. If she did not believe in Jesus, then she'd be in hell. And so I don't know if she's in heaven or hell. The Bible does not indicate. I tend to believe that Mary had come to faith in Jesus as well and that she's in heaven. And along with her, of course, James, we see uh, as a follower of Christ writing uh, the book of James, this letter to the Jewish converts. And so he identifies himself as a slave of the Lord, and he, um, he calls Jesus Lord. And in this, uh, this is significant because the Greek translation of the Old Testament that we know and that is called the Septuagint, and they took the Hebrew and they, they translated it into Greek, and that was the Bible that James grew up with would be the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And in that translation, those those translate the way they translated the word for Yahweh or Elohim, those two Hebrew names for God. They translated that as the word kurios, which in the New Testament, as well as the Septuagint, was used as the word for Lord. And that identified him as God. So James, using the word kurios here in his book for Jesus, is identifying the deity of Jesus and James's faith that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he was God the Son. And so we, we need to understand even from the nuances there uh, that we get a picture of Jesus's deity. We get a picture of James's theology here in that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. And so after and getting those details uh, from the way James identifies himself, he 
talks to us in verse 2 about considering it a joy whenever we experience various trials. Also, to be joyful, we, uh, we, we don't want to deal with trials. We don't want to have to uh, have those trials in our lives because they're tough. They're, they're not something that we want to go through. But Philippians 3.10 says, My goal is to know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. And I have found in my own experience that this verse also applies to the trials that we face and that there is a fellowship that we have with the Lord as we go through times of trial, we go through times of suffering, whether it would be a sickness, whether it be a relationship issue, whatever it may be, we can find a fellowship with the Lord uh, during those trials. And of course, the Lord uses those trials to grow us, to grow, uh, to bring us closer to Him, and helps us as uh, as we become more Christ-like. And in fact, as we think about going through trials in Philippians 4, uh, in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So there's a nearness in those times as well. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so when we're going through the hardship we can consider it to be joyful because of what the Lord is doing in us and through us in that he is growing us and giving us a peace that surpasses all understanding and, and helping us through those times. Now of course during those times we, uh, we deal with needing wisdom as we go through trials and as we go through hardship. And so in verse 5, uh, the James is telling us, uh, if any of us lacks wisdom, that we should ask God, who gives all generously and ungrudgingly. And, and that, that's something to uh, hold on to and understand, that the Lord gives wisdom generously. He wants to meet our every need, and He wants to give us what is best for us. He never withholds wisdom from us and when we ask in faith. And, and not only that, but notice that He gives it ungrudgingly. And that's verse 5 again. And so no matter how long you have followed God or how many, no matter how long you have followed God or how many times you have found yourself in a similar situation where you may have uh, failed, you may have uh, dealt with um, temptation and you gave in to a particular temptation and you've asked for forgiveness for it over and over again, uh, we, uh, we, we find ourselves in that cycle sometimes, God will always come back and, and is uh, ungrudgingly will forgive us, or if we find ourselves continually asking for wisdom over a particular situation over and over again, He will in fact ungrudgingly give us that wisdom. Now, no matter how many times we've made boneheaded decisions or done something stupid, He is willing to give us wisdom generously and ungrudgingly. But see, there, there's a uh, there's a caveat there, if you will, or a uh, a um, uh, 
Oh, crud. What is the, the word I'm, I'm trying to think of? There's a stipulation and that we're to ask in faith without doubting. Now, that's easier said than done. I understand that. The, but here we find that the word for doubting can also be translated as having divided loyalties or even being double-minded. And, and so he describes the doubter as being illustrated as a surging sea. And when you think about a surging or storm-tossed sea, uh, a boat is is pushed to uh, forward and backwards and the side to side and up and down and sometimes our emotions are the same way especially when we doubt we, we may have a little bit of faith and then we may crash and not have faith like we used to and that faith going up and down and, and all around and, and so we cannot expect God to give us wisdom when we have that doubting we we need to have Faith. You see, doubting shows instability. Uh, the scripture describe the doubter as being unstable in all his ways. And so when we understand that faith placed in the right person calms us, it blesses us, it sustains us, and it empowers us. And so we need to understand that as we uh, as we put our faith in Jesus, it should calm us, it should bless us, it should sustain us and empower us, knowing that we've placed our faith in the one who is above all, he is stronger than all, his, uh, his ability is immeasurable, and he cannot be defeated. And he's the one that we uh, that we depend upon, and so he is the one that gives us wisdom ungrudgingly and, and generously whenever we ask for it in faith, and that is without doubting. Now, tonight we're looking at uh, the status of faith, as uh, tonight I'll unpack uh, verses 9 through 12. And so uh, I've already been on here for 16 minutes, and I appreciate you um, being with me uh, so far on this. Um, but tonight, as we look at these verses, we're, we're first of all going to see that we need to depend on the Lord. And, uh, of course, James is talking about uh, people uh, of being of meager means uh, and also uh, the, the rich. He's talking about both of them here. And so whether you find yourself in a situation where you're always scraping to get by or if you find yourself as having more money than you know what to do with or, or even anywhere in between, we must depend upon God. We must resist the temptation to be resentful of their station in life. But remember that if they are in Christ, they will be exalted one day. And the rich must remember that they will face the same end as everyone else. Eternity is coming for all of us. Therefore, whatever our station in life, we must depend on God. Our hope is not on anything this world has to offer, but is in God alone. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. 
You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the joy, uh, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so we need to understand that the, the trials, even in the trials, that it produces something more valuable than gold. And it is, it is the, um, it is proven character of your faith. It is more important to have faith than it is to have riches. And so we want to go through this life being a people of faith and depending on God and not on uh, other people, not on ourselves, not on our ability to make income, not on somebody to bail us out. We need to depend upon God. And then we're to endure trials. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You know, trials teach us to depend on God. Trials come in different forms for different people. But every believer faces trials. And you're either in a trial, or you're going in a trial, or maybe you've just come out of a trial, but we know that trials come. And of course, we have this blessing here, this beatitude. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so, you know, I just read a few moments ago, verses 2 through 4, and we talked about considering it a great joy when we endure various trials. And so what we can understand from these 12 verses we've looked at is that the one who endures trials is blessed. The one who endures trials receives the crown of life. The one who endures trials shows that he or she loves the Lord. And also, the one who endures trials will have a gift for Jesus. We turn to Revelation chapter 4 at this time to see that we will have a gift for Jesus if we endure trials. It says, After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was led, and I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the throne sat twenty-four elders dressed in white clothes with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second 
living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. The fourth living creature was flying, was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne and the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. So what does this tell us pulling from Revelation and pulling from James is that we who endure trials will receive the crown of life and we one day in heaven will be able to cast that crown of life at the feet of Jesus and worship him, giving him glory and honor and declaring his power forever and ever Amen. And so if nothing else, folks, endure trials well so that you will have a gift for Jesus to lay at his feet. But not only that, endure those trials well with joy, knowing that Jesus is using these trials for your good. Because the scripture tells us that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, those called according to his purpose. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being with me for these 24 minutes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this day, and we ask that you would be glorified in and through your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.